1: Hello and welcome to Publishers Weekly Radio, on the web at publishersweekly.com slash pwradio and streaming free on iHeartRadio, iTunes, and audiobookradio.net. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly.
2: And I'm Rose Fox. I'm a senior reviews editor at Publishers Weekly, and we're bringing you the very best author interviews directly from PW's offices in New York City, the heart of the book publishing world.
1: Here's one of our favorite interviews from the PW Radio Archives. We hope you enjoy it, and check our site on September 14th for our brand new show, PW Insider. Welcome back. I'm Mark Rotella.
2: And I'm Rose Fox, and you're listening to Publishers Weekly Radio, direct from the PW offices in New York City.
1: Today, we've got comics creator Gilbert Hernandez on the line. He's got two new books out, Bumperheads and Lover Boys. Hi, Gilbert. So glad you could join us.
0: Oh, I'm glad to be here. Hello, everybody.
1: So these two books are very different. Let's talk about Bumperheads first. Can you describe it briefly for our listeners?
0: Well, Bumperhead was uh, difficult to... To do actually, it's basically uh, the story mostly takes place during the uh, 1970s uh, from with a teenage boy, you know, experiencing being an outsider. Um, it's called Bumperhead because when he was growing up, uh, he has a large forehead and kids made fun of him. But uh, he, so he sort of becomes very alienated as a teenager, uh, partially because of that, um, but mostly because he's simply an outsider. He likes uh, dif- uh, different kinds of. Rock music that you know his peers like he uh he just doesn't seem to connect he's he does okay with the ladies, but uh that falls apart just because he doesn't really know how to relate to them so uh it's kind of a downer for some people but uh some people just like the uh the details of what it's like to be sixteen in nineteen seventy two
1: so, in, his name is Bobby, and he's—he's yeah. uh, he's kind of seems to be part of this disaffected youth, as you say, in the nineteen seventies music scene. And uh, I know uh, you were involved in—in in the, uh, or at least you know, uh, uh, a fan of the uh, punk music scene of the same era. Uh, maybe a little bit later. Is—is is any of this autobiographical, or were there autobiographical elements or parts of your life that inspired the book?
0: Um, actually all of the above okay. <laughs> you know it's uh yeah it's 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 very much taken from uh pretty much just how i felt as a you know as a teenager and um and yeah some of the, some of the scenes in it and some of the characters in it are are were, were actual people i i just changed you know names here and there um, but a couple of uh things in there are well, actually a lot of things in there are pretty close to what you know what happened to me and what it would like for me to grow up in the nineteen seventies, um, you know, I, I used real band names, but um, uh, you know, I don't know. It just uh, it, it's it's hard, hard to, to explain because I do all my work that way. I, I usually take things from real life and then just change them around enough to fit, uh, you know, a storyline.
1: So Bobby seems to go through life kind of not really being affected by much, though he affects others. Uh, it seems. Uh, tell us a little bit more about Bobby.
0: Well, Bobby basically has his guard up all the time. He uh, he's just, uh, I guess, because of you know his you know the, being teased as a kid, he he has a, he has a wall up. So whenever good things come to him, he takes them in stride. Um, when bad things happen to him, he takes those in stride. He never he never really commits to what uh, you know what what might be good for him, uh, or you know uh, simply like he, he has no problem talking to girls and uh, having girlfriends, but he sort of takes it for granted as it's something that's almost not real to him. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, that's not like me. <laughs> 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 I was very happy to have a girlfriend in high school, let me tell you um, but, but um um I don't know he's just sort of he, he's sort of that type of person that keeps everything at an arm's length just because he won't have to actually deal with uh you know heavy feelings here and there and then once he's alone and you know thinking his lonely, depressing thoughts he you know thats that's when it hits him hard so but in his waking life uh, he, he keeps things at an arm's distance.
2: So what's it like looking back on this era, which is obviously pretty formative for you, and um, how does the the historical fiction that you're creating kind of reflect on the present day?
0: Hmm, that's interesting. Are you speaking specifically about Bumperhead?
2: Uh, or you can go further beyond that, however you like.
0: Um, uh, boy, I, I, that's, that's difficult for me to gauge. Um, I simply do stories... Uh, the way I do them because that's the only way I know how to do them. Um, I don't know how to keep up with uh, uh, modern trends or, or I mean, I have to remind myself uh, when when a character's on the phone that it's a cell phone
3: mm-hmm.
0: and it's not a flip phone. <laughs> you know, I have to remind <laughs> myself little things like that because that's usually stuff I don't. I, I just ignore in present time. Uh, I have to remind everybody uh, or I remind my readers or myself that. Um, you know, people use computers. People are always on iPads or you know their cell phones or whatever. So I kind of incorporated that into Bumperhead in particular um, as sort of a, uh, a science fiction element, <laughs> almost. Sure. I mean, right. from
2: from Bobby's perspective, we're here in the future.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but as far as how my work reflects uh, the modern. You know, the modern world or modern comics I'm, I'm not really sure i pretty I think I'm just very old school and I think um, I'm still be able to you know put out comics that people read because um, I'm just pretty much uh, things are pretty simple for me uh, it's just down to earth because that's the only way I know how to do it
1: so, in your, so moving on to your to the other most recent book, Lover Boys. It's it's set in the what seems to be a Mexican border city, uh, yeah. and it's about a group of young men uh, who who kind of fancy themselves as lover boys, and so it, it's a very different. Uh, di- different kind of book, it seems. Uh, and also, the illustrations, the way you've illustrated, are both very different. I mean, uh, completely different narrative, theme, and uh, illustrations. Um, can you talk about that?
0: Um, well, Lover Boys was just uh, almost like uh, a breath of fresh air or a break after Bumperhead. Mm-hmm. Because when you do something like Bumperhead and it's about, you know, teen angst and that sort of thing. Uh, you, you have to kind of feel it to make it real. I mean, uh, I had to go back and think of difficult things that happened, you know, back in the 70s when I was a teenager. Um, and I had, and this is what I do with all my work. When I have to go back and do a younger person who's, you know, pretty, pretty unhappy, I have to go through those feelings as well to 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 to, to, to figure out, you know, what what I want to say on the page. So, uh, when something like that is done, uh, I, went, I went with Lover Boys to go a little. Uh, originally, it was actually a little lighter, it was supposed to be a light romance. Uh, it just turns out to be just as grim as everything else.
2: <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't get away from it.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it was just a different style, just to make it more of a, uh, one of my classic styles of telling stories. Just a simple story, you know, a simple neighborhood, uh, but with a surreal element uh, thread
1: running through it so, so tell us about that neighborhood and tell us who these these boys are the names, what they do um
0: uh, in, in lover boys,
1: yeah, yeah, and how exactly are they lover boys
0: well uh i I just like the title and I applied it to guys that aren't lover boys, they're a bunch of clueless guys that fancy themselves at or uh the main character rocky he 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 is a lover boy, he just happens to show up and women like him, you know he's just those types of people and uh that type of a person, but um, I just did it, uh, like I said, um, sort of, I start out a lot of those types of stories, and I, this goes back to my Palomar uh, work in Love and Rockets, where I basically start out uh, coming up with an idea of, a, of first, of all, it's a place you know, where to set the characters, and it's usually, and I discovered this recently, I wasn't even aware of this, is that it comes from basically my neighborhood growing up, Mm-hmm. And I build from there I transmogrified I changed this I, I changed You know The characters around This and that But it usually starts From my point of view As a, as a young person Living on the street In Oxnard, California <laughs> And uh, and then I build it from there It just moves from there And that's That's become a pattern for me But it works for me Because Sometimes the stories I just I started out that way And then that element Is I drop completely And go with Other things
3: That I came up with later
2: so uh, I confess that when somebody tells me that there's a, a book about a bunch of young men who call themselves lover boys, I assume that there's some kind of homoerotic, at least subtext, if not text. Uh, was was that intentional?
0: Uh, no, I did. I actually I didn't even think of that. I just you know, <laughs> the old uh, old school. Like I said, I think I, you know my head's still in the 1960s. You know, so I think you know you say lover boys as a kid, you know, you think of oh a guy that you know thinks he's he's, he's got away with the women, mm-hmm. you know, now things, it's true, this is interesting that you mentioned that, is because uh, now it's different now, when you, certain words mean a different thing now, uh, lover, boys, you know, mm-hmm. immediately, it's right. probably about, you know, gay, gay guys, you know, uh, and it's something I never, uh, it's, it's interesting how things are, are simply different now, because, okay, here's an example, this is, this has nothing to do with lover, boys, but it's a little bit, about what talking about is i notice now when uh, young people look at somebody a classic uh movie star like say marilyn monroe i often hear them say she looks like a transvestite and i think it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting change because when i was growing up she just embodied this uh you know uh, uh, this very feminine woman, mm-hmm. ex- extra feminine you know and a lot of movie stars were like that and they grew up thinking that's that's what that is. And now, with things that have changed so much that women really don't reflect that kind of image anymore, um, it's about being thin and look, looking you know, a different way, and whatever it is, you know, fashion dictates. Uh, young people grow up differently, seeing it differently. They'll look at an old uh, Hollywood movie and say the women look like trans- uh. <laughs> and uh, That was a little shocking to me. I was mm-hmm. a little surprised.
2: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: It's just how, how things have changed, and uh, it's just... A different thing now. So I guess those old movies are, are getting more and more alien to younger audiences, whereas they were the norm to me when I was growing up.
2: Sure. I, on on the flip side, I I just watched a 1957 movie um, with a. Uh, uh, Tracy and Hepburn film called Desk Set. And to me, it was so much more daring and outrageous than anything I would expect Hollywood to come out. And the computer nerd is also the incredibly handsome leading man. You know, you just you just wouldn't (laughs) see that. So um, I I think stereotypes also shift over time.
0: And I guess that the thing that would the thing that would fascinate younger audiences mostly about uh, that movie is how big the damn computer is.
2: Oh, it's huge. <laughs> the, the, the whole the whole first half of the movie is him measuring the room to see if the computer will fit in it.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny.
2: <laughs> so, um, in in addition to Bumperhead and Lover Boys, you've got four other books out just this year. Uh, you've been a very prolific creator for a very long time. How do you sustain that pace without burning out? Um,
0: uh, basically, I, I've got I just, I just have that drive. I think I'm just born with that kind of drive. Um, oh, I do burn out. I do have to slow down here and there because you know doing a graphic novel too, uh, two years especially, that, that that'll just knock you out, you know. Um, but you know I, I learned to pace myself with uh, doing shorter jobs in between and mm-hmm. uh, I keep myself busy all the time. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to last. Uh, you know, I could just all of a sudden flare out one year and say, hey, I don't have any more graphic novels, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but right now I'm taking advantage of my, uh, my, what's left of my, you know, youthful passion.
2: Mm-hmm. And um, speaking of your youth, who, who were some of your early influences? And obviously to start with, you're from a family of artists. You really got it from day one.
0: Yeah, I got it from day one. Mom was uh, actually a comic book fan back in the 1940s and uh, she, uh, you know, she Apparently she was very into comic books when she was a kid. So, uh, you know, she grew up, got married, had some kids. And so when it was time to, you know, distract us, <laughs> basically, she allowed us to read comic books. She thought they were okay. You know? And luckily I grew up in the in the 60s where uh, it was the big boom of um, how modern, you know, the, the beginning of modern comics, you know, especially for Marvel comics and that sort of thing. And then later the underground comics, so I was at that place where comics were evolving at this rapid and pretty exciting pace uh, at the time. Um,
2: what, what was that, it like being around for that? I mean, was, was it really eye-opening and inspiring for you as a as an artist and a writer?
0: Yeah, because um, besides uh, besides that, I you know I, I liked movies as well, but uh, comic books uh, it was the norm then. Uh, you'd go to the you know the local you know uh, market. And there was the new, the new comic books out, and they were just evolving very rapidly. Uh, but you know, when it, while it's happening, it's the norm. You think that that's how it's going to always be, or it's always been. You know, it's the new Marvel comics, and then they have new artists, and new writers, and new stories. And then you get the underground comic later on, and then you get, you know, it just kept, it just kept uh, moving along. And uh, once I hit. Uh, hit the mid 70s in my teens, I noticed as things started to drop off, the momentum of the original uh, inspiration for those comics, you know, started to level off, and and you know it started to change into a different thing. So I lost interest in that um, in pursuing comic books um, as far as inspiration goes. I was looking more toward films and basically real life. What I was doing with my friends. And partying and you know just having our you know teen adventures you know in real life where just was more interesting than what was in comic books, so when I came to come, uh, came to to doing comic books later on, um I'd already had the history of reading comic books and drawing from them copying them and having you know, you know trying trying to approximate a comic book you know growing up um and then I had the experience of my teenage years and you know adult years, so I just mixed the two and that's. And my brother as
2: well in Love and Rockets, and that's that's, that's why I'm here. We're going to take a quick break, but don't go away.
1: Book lovers everywhere love Publishers Weekly Radio, now on iHeartRadio.com. PW Radio brings you the best of books and book publishing news. PW Editors Rose Fox and Mark Cortella offer lively interviews with your favorite authors and conversations with new authors you'll want to get to know.
2: I'm Rose Fox.
1: And I'm Mark Rotella.
2: Join the community of book lovers at PW Radio.
1: Every Friday and now on demand at iHeartRadio.com.
2: Welcome back. We're talking with Gilbert Hernandez, the author of Bumperhead and Lover Boys and a whole lot of other stuff. Um, And you just mentioned working with your brothers on Love and Rockets. What's it like making art with family?
0: That um, that just came naturally. It was sort of uh, okay. I got these comics here, and you've got those comics there, and we'll just put them together because otherwise we'd have to do our you know separate comics, and that's more work. So <laughs> <laughs> literally by putting them together, it was just easier and quicker to put out. Um, but um, even at a young age, we never collaborated really. I mean, we rarely collaborate now, even if at all. Um, he has his work and writes his and draws his own work, and I write and draw my own work. We just happen to have the same. Uh, influences is why our work sometimes overlaps
1: so tell us about Love and Rockets uh, how did uh, how did the first one start um, and then how how, how how did you know there was going to be or did you know it was going to be part of the series
0: oh no we didn't um, we kind of you know as growing up as kids reading uh you know comic books we 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 stumbled upon fanzines where there was fan comic book fans putting out their own fanzines and their own comic books within these fanzines and we saw a few of those and noticed that they weren't that polished, but they were kind of fun, and sometimes they came up with you know more things that were more fun than you know that was going on in regular comics, so we kind of just was were going along that we just created our own comics, learned how to do them properly with you know pen and ink and all that kind of stuff. Uh, learned how to letter, did, did all that stuff, but it was pretty, basically simple science fiction stuff. That was just what we were into when we were younger. And when it just simply came time to uh, have somebody look at the stuff, because we thought, well, we're getting old now, so we might well have people look at it, we put it together, uh, spent a little bit of money, put a, our first issue of Loan Rockets together, but we had no clue on how to distribute it or sell it or do anything with it. So we... Uh, you know, we'd go to uh, small conventions and just show it to people. And they thought it looked okay. You
3: know, <laughs> pretty,
0: you know for, for amateurs, they go, yeah, this is all right. Yeah, yeah, you keep going, keep going. You know, it was very encouraging, but we still didn't know what to do with it. So we sent it to a couple comic book uh, review publications. One was the Buyer's Guide. The other one was the Comics Journal. And the Comics Journal was known for their very critical view of comic books. A uh, very uh, scrappy magazine. So we figured, well, we'll send them a copy and maybe they'll review it and people might notice it. It was just sort of a, as a oh, well, you know, shoulders shrugged. And I sent a copy to the Comics Journal and uh, as, time, as luck would have it, um, the publisher, Gary Groff, took a look at it and they were they were just happened to be looking for comics to publish as well as uh, their own magazine. And he said, do you want us to publish your comic? I said, sure. Well, that was it. It was that simple.
2: Huh. Uh-huh. You were at the right place at the right time
0: yeah and and the right people uh the, the 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 chemistry is that they very much encouraged uh us you know uh going our own way you know they were very um adamant about not repeating what the mainstream publishers were already doing with you know Batman and superman and spider man that kind of thing they wanted it to go somewhere else. We didn't know what that was, so we just went from issue to issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, fig- figuring it out and luckily we got a you know good uh, immediate response it, and it was positive about the things you know what the readers liked about it and so we just went, we just went for it so it was really good timing I guess
1: and so how did you uh, and your brother split up the work
0: um, just usually well there was three of us in the beginning and our older brother Mario was just a lot slower and didn't have a uh, wasn't, wasn't as prolific in, in material as, as we were Um, so we basically split up the book uh, I guess you know just um, eventually it just became half and half you know Mm -hmm. my brother has half I have the other but originally it was uh, oh I don't know it was several pages of older brother Mario and then Jaime and I would split up the
3: rest
1: and the the title love and rockets i know you're you're a, you're a, a music fan punk fan any chance that was might that might have been inspired by the uh uh 80s alt band of the same name the offshoot of bauhaus <laughs>
0: well they appropriated the name
1: okay
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they took the name because actually uh, Com- uh watchman creator alan Moore, um had a bunch of comics around the house and he's you know he's friends with the 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 band no kidding and they were yeah and uh the Bauhaus had just broken up the singer went uh solo so the rest of the musicians were looking for a new name for the band and he picked love and rockets
2: so they got it from you yeah Mm -hmm. wow that's great (laughs) um and you've you've mentioned other music and science fiction influences um anything that that made a particularly big impression on you when you were starting to form your own style
0: well uh, early on when we were um even when we were kids we we leaned more toward artists that uh were good at drawing people mm-hmm. in in the, in the sense uh in a, in a humanistic way not not just you know figure drawing but uh, uh like a lot of the kid comics uh, were more relatable that way than the superhero comics were uh, you could read a bunch of Archie comics, and after a while, you notice that some of the artists were just simply better than others. Yep. They were just drawing in that you know that house style, but there was but a handful of uh, of those creators that simply uh, I don't know connected to kids. You just felt like you were there, even if they were drawing in this cartoony style. And that's what we noticed uh, early on is reading a lot of kids comics that they were that they were very concerned about connecting. With, with with young people uh, and making you feel that like you were there, and that's that's pretty much where we uh, were what inspired us to to, to go our way with the, with the types of stories we do. We just sort of uh, uh, built our own comics on that, on a hu- basically uh, you know on, on humanistic drawing.
2: So um comic book selling has changed a lot. The marketplace has changed a lot um since you've been in the business. Is it hard still doing uh really doing comics in a marketplace that's now very focused on graphic novels
3: it's it's
0: It's difficult just because of the workload because graphic novels you know it's, it's a lot more work at at one time usually uh most most comics are done serialized. You know, mm-hmm. you're doing chapters, and it comes out, and then they collect it. But once in a while, um, some crazy artist will come out with a 500-page book, and now everybody wants a 500-page book. <laughs> and not not too many artists are capable of doing that, you know. Most artists are, are best doing uh, doing sprints, doing, uh, you know, short chapters and, 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 and books, and then, you know, they collect it. But then somebody got this idea that, you know, an untrained artist was going to do a, you know, three hundred page book
3: mm-hmm. in
0: one sit- sitting, and that that just kind of that 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 fell apart pretty quickly, I think, because you don't see a lot of uh, graphic novels straight out with very detailed art. It, uh, if you'll notice, most uh, graphic novels now the art is very simple because it's just so difficult to put out a book like that all at once. Mm-hmm. So, um, Rock is different. Where is you know, we have collections, and, you know, we do that. And Because uh, if you notice, my graphic novels are drawn a lot more simple than my Love and Rockets stories are.
2: Right, that makes sense. Um, and do you have any advice for the aspiring comics creators out there, the, the artists and writers who are being inspired by you?
0: Well, if they're inspired by Love and Rockets, and then some of the other books I've done, um, you really have to be yourself and not... You see, this is really difficult because you have to decide how much are you going to do this because you love it and how much do you want a job? Because if, you, if you're if you doing this to be, have a job, then you, you'd you be better off drawing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs>
0: but if you really like comics and you really believe you have something to say, something personal, because I believe, for me, comics are best as personal expression. So that's why I encourage and young people who ask me, what you know you know uh, give, you know who need advice about making comics I go. you got to be yourself and here's the hard part you got to sit down and learn to draw and you got to do it all day you got to do it ev- almost every day that's when their faces turn white
2: <laughs> really <laughs> like, cuz uh, I, I, oh, all- I i would think most of them are i i would think most of them are already kind of sitting down and drawing every day at least doodling here and there
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, by every day, 24 hours, whatever. I just mean, if you're going to make comics, you have to put in the time. Now, I'm talking about old school. I'm talking about the way I do it. Mm -hmm. There there are a lot of young people who do their uh, their stuff on a pad, and that's a whole different thing. I wouldn't know what to say to them other than the content of their stories should be, uh, you know, the self-expression. You know, write about yourself first, and then... If it gets too weird about you know, you feel too weird about writing about yourself and your friends, just do that and change their names. That's all. <laughs> simple, so simple tips like that.
2: So you're still working pen and ink, same same old same old.
0: Yeah, just a sheet of paper, pen and ink, uh, pencil and ink, and a straight edge and eraser. That's it.
2: Did, did you face any barriers being a Mexican-American trying to, to break into the comics world in the 70s? And do you, do you think it would be easier now for someone of a similar background?
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it's, you just simply have to have the chops, really. I mean, it's simple, uh, old-school thinking. If you can draw well and you've got a story to tell, they don't care what color you are. As long as you've got something, you know, they want to look at, really. Because luckily, you know, you know we're not movie stars here. We're just you know it's not like what we look like you know it's not about that
3: mm-hmm. it's just
0: about what, what the work is you know how the, and how the work reads
3: mm-hmm. that's the most important thing
2: well we've been talking with Gilbert Hernandez and you can find his book Bumperhead and Loverboys in stores right now thank you so much for joining us Gilbert
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. I hope I said something that might help. You, you've said
2: was, many, many inspiring things. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Uh, I'm Mark Rotella.
2: And I'm Rose Fox, and this is Publishers Weekly Radio.
1: Beyond the headlines, beyond the routine, beyond the book, I'm Chris Keneally, host of Copyright Clearance and his podcast series, Beyond the Book. And I'm Andrew Albany, senior writer at Publishers Weekly. Join us each Friday for a publishing news week in review podcast unlike any other. Learn all the breaking news and catch the best analysis on developments in the book trade, copyright law, and much more. You already know business as usual. Now go Beyond the Book. Listen to the free series and subscribe at beyondthebook.com.
2: And that's it for today's show. I'm Rose Fox.
1: And I'm Mark Rotella, and you've been listening to Publishers Weekly Radio.
2: You can listen to this and every episode of Publishers Weekly Radio absolutely free at publishersweekly.com slash PWRadio. Subscribe to our podcasts on iHeartRadio and iTunes, and hear every new episode streamed live on audiobookradio.net. Check those sites every week for a brand new episode giving you the inside story on your favorite story. And don't forget, PW Insider launches on September 14th. Thanks for listening.
3: You've been listening to Publishers Weekly Radio Show.